Seth. And this is Julia. And this is Running Out of Movies. Is that good? Let's do it again without these ass if it's good right after. <laughs> just just soon enough so that there's no cutting around. Yeah. <laughs> Hi everybody, this is Seth. And this is Julia. And this is Running Out of Movies. Today we're talking about Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, so a good indication that you're running out of movies. Uh, we're re-watching a movie that... We both saw this when it originally came out. And it's perfectly lovely. Everyone knows this is a perfectly lovely movie, but there's no reason to ever to re-watch revisit it. it. Yeah, absolutely. We were kind of curious about it. It seemed like a... It seemed... It's just kind of like a fun summer movie. Yeah, like a, you know... It seems like... And I think we were drawn to it. It seems like a movie night movie. You know, it doesn't seem like it's not like remains the day you know it's uh it's gonna be not heavy at all (laughs) yeah i I think i remembered one line from this movie um (laughs) that made me laugh when i originally saw it did you see it we watched movies differently when we were kids i saw this in the theater because i saw everything in the theater did you see this i have no memory i know i saw it in high school so you Um, probably saw that theater probably the theater But it would have been, like, some friend dragged me kind of a situation. No, it was, like, we were super poor, and my sister worked in a movie theater. So we just saw every movie in the movie theater. So people would be like, Mars Attacks. I'd be like, I saw that in the theater twice. Like, uh, (laughs) so, um, yeah, so I saw this in the movie theater. um, And it's, like, this really, like, kind of, like, even for PG-13, it's really going for the erotic thriller category oh, definitely i was i'm surprised here that it's pg-13 yeah. so i saw it um with my mom in toledo ohio Aww. uh and what did your mom think of this movie uh yeah and that was a little awkward but you know uh <laughs> but yeah um so what do you think about it now Rewatching it i was pleasantly surprised overall um i mean i remember liking it at the time uh but you know not I don't remember much from mm-hmm. it. I kind of thought it was kind of like a throwaway popcorn movie. Um, uh, but I was like pleasantly surprised. I really uh, I really enjoyed rewatching it. I think I um, it was fun to see. We've talked about this before where it's sort of like as you get older, you kind of take a weird ownership over the A-list celebrities of your when you were a young person. And it's just like... Oh, it's like, so it's fun to see them back when... Yeah, when they were like... when they were on top. When everyone was leaving their houses just because Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie existed. Um, <laughs> and like you talked, like you had a friend who had a niece who was like, who's Brad Pitt? And we were both like, we were not even knowing this person, like walking the streets of New York, <laughs> being worried about this and talking about this. Like, uh, but yeah, so I, and you realize you're just turning into that uh, septuagenarian who's just like... Bradley Pitt movies cost fifteen dollars. <laughs> like, uh, so that was nice. Um, I think I liked it. I'm not sure it was as fun as it could have been. And and I don't want to be the person where it's like all the spy stuff. I don't care. Like, I don't want to be the person who's like goes to a Transformers movie and it's like <laughs> that's not how robots work. Like, because uh, I don't care about any of that. Like, I like. I think they did an, enough lampshading where. I like that it's not, they don't work for the CIA or anything. They're these, yeah. these fake private. It's obvious. And, it, yeah. and all of the violence and all of the spy stuff is handled very campy. Yeah. It's like clearly not supposed to be real. It's like kind of just a, almost like a, a comic book version of yeah. what you would think a spy agency would be. So if you haven't seen it, it's um, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are um, professional assassins you know you get one coincidence to kind of spend at the beginning of a movie and that's this that they meet each other and fall in love yeah this this is why this whole movie is happening is because they happen to meet each other in Mm -hmm. in columbia yeah and so then they they uh they realize that each of their faces is symmetrical 
and they immediately <laughs> immediately they <laughs> fall in love. They're just, just like, "You're uh, young Brad Pitt. I'm young Angelina Jolie. Let's make this happen." Not? Yeah, um, and uh, to some people's chagrin, the, the, like this, the the shockwaves of this movie would be felt through the. Uh... <laughs> I know, I know. I was uh, livid for Jennifer Aniston throughout the entire movie because. I think when this came out, I was, like, really into, like, reading, like, beat writers. And, like, so I was, like, I couldn't be bothered with People Magazine and stuff. And now, if I could go back, I probably just would have read People Magazine and done the crossword and had a great time. Just, and shared your anger. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, so, yeah, basically where we where we start, there's sort of a frame narrative, I think is the term, where they start in a therapist's office. And it's, you know, they're having troubles in their marriage and it's uh it's no secret from the audience that they're both spies but it's yes. but they don't know that the other one is a spy so they're they're both elaborately keeping these secret lives from the other one um and we see kind of their usual like day-to-day of how they're handling that and all of the mm-hmm. you know and funny to, tension that comes out of that to introduce one thing i think one thing that hasn't aged super well um, in this first scene where we show, like, they're kind of, like, there's um, civil unrest when they meet in Bogota or something's going on. Yeah. So, um, uh, w- to establish that they're both, they're not hiding it from the audience, they're just hiding it from each other. And to show the audience that we know that they're both assassins, um, Brad Pitt, very, like, cool guy, hides a gun in the back of his pants. Um, Angelina Jolie, for some reason, like hikes up her skirt and shows an, a garter with a knife in it. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, this is kind of the, um, I don't know, like the way the way Brad Pitt, it's like, I, I'm not pointing out anything anyone <laughs> on Twitter has already said a million times, but like the way Brad Pitt gets to be an assassin and the way Angelina Jolie gets to be an assassin is very much like cool guy uh, versus um, someone who is just sexualized to the point where it's ridiculous. Right. It's like, sh- it's like her getting to be cool is her having to be nearly naked a lot and like just being very much like the, um, how a, not how a woman would be cool, but how a guy would think that a woman would be cool. And it's, yeah. And I think that's a great, a lot of traditional gender stereotypes in this movie throughout. Yeah. That's a great distinction in that sort of like, I could totally see a version of this where she's sexy, she's sexy the way she chooses to be sexy. And that is part of her coolness. But this sexiness was very male gazy. Like I think a perfect example is the the first um the, yeah yeah the first thing where in which they both do a job and it's sort of like kind of like us seeing the regular day to day is Brad Pitt pretends to be a drunk rich asshole mm-hmm. and uh, talks his way into a poker game and is just like drunk and silly and having fun yeah um and Angel- Angel- Angelina Jolie has to pretend to be a sex worker yeah. and do a whole like dominatrix outfit thing yes Uh, and just in terms of the first act like i think i had some questions in terms of like i feel like the premise doesn't necessarily make sense like i think that there's so much mythology around spies not um like part of the whole not that they're spies or you know covert yeah assassins or whatever assets whatever you want to call them there's so much there's such a mythology in movies about them about how the biggest part of the job is not getting attached to people, that they hook up and get attached to each other. Get married, like, immediately. So that's already kind of, like, a big ask. 
that that these two professional killers would be so um, taken with each other that they would violate the... Like, do such an irresponsible thing right away. Yeah. but So then that's the first big ask. And then after that, we see them being kind of bougie married in a very nice house, no real problems, but hating each other. Yeah. So it's kind of... It doesn't really make sense in that... Um, if they hate each other, then why are they doing this? They shouldn't be doing this. So then they hate each other. Does, this, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the, I think that's kind of the point of the movie. They're sort of portraying like a, a regular unhappy married couple, um, that where a lot of people just like get married to the wrong person and then a few years in realize like they don't actually know or like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I think the point of this movie is that like. They're unhappy because they don't know each other. They've been lying to each other. They don't know anything about mm-hmm. each other. And so then they're not able to, like, actually be happy in the marriage until all the secrets come out and they actually yeah. get to meet each other. And I think maybe that would have been better if we had just, I don't know. I, I don't know how to actually sell that, but it's just so confusing to me because I think the idea eats itself a little bit. Where it's sort of like, I have roller skates for feet, but you live in Stairville. And it's sort of like, and I hate you. So it's like, okay, problem solved. Roller skate person doesn't have to live in Stairville. You know, uh, it's a good... So you're saying that they would have just gotten divorced right away? Yeah, because they're cold-blooded assassins. Like, why? <laughs> I, like, I don't believe the encapsulation, I think is what I'm saying. Like, I don't believe that them being unhappy in this marriage would actually be a problem. Right, like that they... Being cold-blooded assassins, they wouldn't be the type of people to be so sentimental yeah. over a marriage. And I think to make that work, it would probably you'd have to use a lot of shoe leather to show them how unique and wonderful their relationship was. As and opposed that, to just being like random people who saw each other's faces. Yeah, so we get that they hook up, which is sort of like, look, I get it. I have <laughs> like I have eyes. I see both of them. I see them together. Like I'm just like, that. That works for me. But I don't get that. Like once the magic is gone, I don't see that being a problem for them. Because also part of this is just the trope of assassins and spies and and kind of like operatives is that they have intense chemistry and then drop people like hot rocks. Yeah. Um. So that part, like, and again, I don't want to be the person who's just not not on board for the fun movie because it's like yeah. I mean, because it's clearly not. I mean, it's all, it's clearly just um, kind of like an allegory for a regular marriage, just done with, like, fun inventory. So, like, yeah. I don't think it's trying to take itself that, like, seriously enough to even recognize why that would be a problem. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Like, I'm trying to temper that with sort of, like, maybe I just need to, like, get on board. Um, but I also want to, like, I think sometimes it's sort of, like, at times I feel like the pitch was writing the movie. Yeah, I where, mean, yeah. Where it's sort of like every time it's like, you know, where it's like, and I just felt like that's fine. So it's like I can kind of suspend my disbelief enough for that. But then I think I just needed the observations about marriage to be stronger <laughs> to feed into that heightened comedy thing where it's sort of like, because the gender dynamics, as you we were pointing out, is like straight from like 13 year old boyville yeah where it's like he hides his guns in the garage she hides her in guns in the kitchen yeah in the oven and i mean i think also the thing again i can see the pitch the pitch writing the movie but um you know the the idea would be like oh they have the perfect life you know with like the big house with the white picket fence and mm-hmm. like dinners she makes dinner every day and like he works out in the garage or whatever like a very being like they have this very traditional kind of like 50s house 
life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being like, but what if? Yeah. You know, so I, I, mean, an... I think, again, it's more, more yeah. coming from that than from an, them being like actual authentic characters. Any other thoughts on the first act or, or what they're... More, more things of just like, uh, again, it's cute. It's a very mm-hmm. cute movie. There's a lot of things that are very like clever, uh, a quippy kind of a way mm-hmm. where like, oh, but doesn't actually make sense realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, some things like he doesn't know that she's an assassin, but he knows that she has a full-time job. And so why is she the one making dinner every single night? And how does he think that she has a pot roast ready at seven o'clock yeah in like unless he thinks that she gets out of work at like 2 p.m like Mm -hmm. how is that ever yeah and i mean they lampshade that later by saying that you know it's like her agency cooks all the meals but it's like oh so like a huge like multi-billion dollar company is like spending budget like making meals for people right? just yeah. so that they can like uphold traditional gender roles even though he knows that she has a full-time job that was weird and th- th- that's another question i had i two more problems i have with the whole premise <laughs> uh one is that like they're supposed to be these super assassins but it's sort of like a lot of that is being like suspicious of all the people around you so it's like the founding coincidence <laughs> involves them both being horrible at their jobs <laughs> yeah and then Missing all of yeah. these obvious cues for years and years. Yeah, to to the point where she apparently doesn't pick up on the fact that when they're designing their own house, which they would have had to for all these customizations, he has a bunker under the garage. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, things like that where it's like, she just didn't notice. It's just like... Well, because she doesn't go in the garage because she's a woman. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> but, and that, that again, it's sort of like all the... It's like if we had Tina Fey writing this movie... It would have been so much funny because it's like she would have brought real, actual adult marriage things. Where it's like right. I feel like so many of the jokes were coming from this "please take my wife" place of um, yeah. "I hate your cooking." Like all these jokes about him hating right. her cooking, That's where it's like sort a... of like, "Well, get in there and grab a spatula, uh, my man." Uh, <laughs> you know, if you know, and take a good class together. And it is like that was a fun, like I, I mean, that was a fun bit throughout like the timing and the references and all was like uh great Mm -hmm. with that but yeah i mean you're Mm -hmm. right that that's kind of an overused reference like if they had come up with a more specific better reference it might have been funnier and one last thing (laughs) one last dig on the premise is like so the traditional thing that they're playing on is the bougie couple that is unhappy in their stability yeah but the thing is is that their lives actually have perfect texture where it's like they have the boring life, and then they go out to pretend to be a dominatrix, oh, and right. then they go out and kill people. So it's like that would actually so they would be... probably crave the boring, uh, right. you know, comfortable comfortableness yeah. of regular life with their crazy jobs. And that's the thing where it's sort of like again, I'm sort of like being the curmudgeon. I, I keep saying I don't want to be, but like yeah, I mean, all of this is your as you've said the foundational premise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where it's sort of like. Um, I don't think it's well observed. I think anyone who knows human nature would know that someone who is going out and doing that would actually crave some, like, what we all do. Like, we crave yeah. balance and stuff. But sort it's, of. Also, it's also kind of like if you if you were like, you know, Thanos just isn't a really yeah, realistic no. depiction hey. of a... <laughs> I mean, I hear myself and I know I sound like the person <laughs> saying that, like, watching Jurassic Park and saying, that's not how DNA works. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's more like... 
I think it is sort of like it ends up being part of the product in that like the observations we're getting about relationships, which should be the cathartic things to laugh about, are sort of shallow and aren't really thinking about it. And it's just sort of like all of these tropes about like, you know, boys like cars, women like kitchens, you know, Um, so that that but like there are moments and and I do like this. I did have fun. Especially with sort of like the leads that couldn't be more charming, that couldn't be more beautiful. Um, couldn't have more on-screen chemistry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, on and off. Like they, uh, they, they blew that out the frame. But, um, uh, but and yeah, and I think that there's all these kind of moments where like something sort of spontaneous happens, and like where they're. Um, I think it get, it gets more and more fun for me when things go off the rails with the story. Yeah. Whereas, like, when... and I, I mean, I think the, I think what the stories you know trying to do not necessarily even trying to do but if you were to ask the writer i think his argument would be that like it's supposed to be they're supposed to be bad and boring at the beginning because they have this terrible relationship they don't know each other and then it doesn't get interesting or funny until like they Mm -hmm. actually open up with each other but yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. maybe they could have still done it more interestingly in the beginning. No, and yeah, and and again, I'm projecting a lot onto it. But yeah, I, I just thought like it was a good opportunity, and that there were moments, like second, third act, that were like m- much more fun and and um, getting to a place of like well observed kind of funny r- relationship stuff. So more cute things from the first act that I think are you know gen- genuinely cute. Like mm-hmm. you like you're like oh when you see it, but also are dumb and, and not realistic at all um, is they do as you're watching them go about their normal lives you see little touches of them being like superhuman like them being like amazing trained agents yes and uh, so, but some of the but those touches are like um, like Brad Pitt is putting the lawnmower away and finds a basketball and then just like makes a basketball shot from like you know, a hundred feet away. Like a YouTube trick shot. Yeah, like for, like, why would that be a part of his job training as an assassin? To, like, be yeah. really good at shooting basketballs. And that's, that's what I mean about the observation thing, too. Because it's so, also sort of like he's, because it's like, they're sort of doing this this suburban frustration thing. But it's sort of like, because um, he's, he's, someone left the lawnmower out. So he it's in the rain and he's dragging the lawnmower out. And then, of course, this basketball gets in the way. So he throws it, like, he picks it up. But here's the thing that, it's sort of like that is like a frustrated parent trope. The kids left the basketball out, but they don't yeah. have a kid. Why so would there like, be a basketball in his yard? So it's like, or if there is a basketball in his yard, he left it out. <laughs> so why is he so frustrated? He should be like, I should take better care of my basketballs. Like, uh, so like that kind of thing. Where it just feels a little bit like the idea is, it's like you know, he's an assassin, and then someone left the basketball out. Or it, it just ends I think up being a, a worse. Silly. I think an even sillier example is while she's. On her way to do the uh, her job, her assassin job, um, Jeopardy is on in the background, and she just answers a question correctly walking through the room, which is like, oh, I'm sorry, does she memorize random facts in addition <laughs> yeah. to being great at shooting people? Here's another thing, too, is the question she, the, the, the answer she gets is, or the, I guess she gets the question, or whatever, I don't know how Jeopardy The answer is Martha Stewart. <laughs> yeah, the answer is Martha Stewart. We're sort of like, that's not cool, that's just, you know, that's not a... And that's also a very, like, 
woman answer. Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. well, you know, she, might she have, must know yeah. about baking and stuff. Yeah, she's like, uh, she could have been like, ovens. Because that's where I keep my guns, so I know about ovens. Like, it would have been much better if she had been, like, some fact about Napoleon or something cool or, or like, Tolstoy, you know, like, something that just shows But also, even, it's like, that's all, at least, like, the basketball thing, you could argue that it's, like, physical prowess is a part of the job, but, like, random trivia, that that is never going to come into play. Yeah, and and that's, it's, like, a little bit of, um, it's, like, an, this sort of, uh, it's going into my thing of like not being really well observed. It's sort of this tourist's notion of um, competence. Yeah. Where it's like yes. a person who who knows how to throw knives and kill people also knows trivia. Right. It's also like, knows those how are to... different areas yeah. of life. Some people are very good at the one yeah. thing and very bad at the other. Yeah. One yeah, more yeah. cute thing to say about the first act that is, I was very, uh, I was like, whoa, movie when it first happened. Um, but seeing the rest of the movie it's like oh i see what they were doing like i understand why this is cute and why this like works with the premise but still sort of problematic is um so he works in an agency that's like super casual and run down looking and it's like just some guy's room and like mm-hmm. you know it looks very like schlubby which is like i love vince vaughn is there vince vaughn is there. <laughs> it's like another like another like very much like bro cave uh warning sign yeah it's like everyone's basically hanging out in their robes yeah like it's just a very which i love i mean i love the contrast of um fancy people doing important things uh in just a schlubby environment um but then you go to her agency and it's like crazy slick. It's the penthouse of some huge building in Manhattan. Um, and it's all like polished chrome, everything. Yeah. It's a hundred percent female workers. Um, and they're all wearing like very like severe outfits. Um, uh, and <laughs> the worst part is their boss the the head of their whole thing oh yeah is a guy named father yeah jesus like yeah yikes yeah no it's like it is like someone took men are from mars women are from venus yeah and like tried to magical realism it (laughs) yeah but like it's like this whole that whole trope of like men being sort of sloppy life force and women being cold controlling that's exactly well so that's exactly it because um then you were like, I realized at the beginning, I was just like, oh, so women can't work in regular jobs. If women, if a woman, ha- woman has a cool job, it has to be like in some futuristic, insane, impossible building. Cause that would never exist in real yeah. life. But I realized that is what they're trying to do is like her character flaw is that she is like distant and cold. And so mm-hmm. they're showing her whole atmosphere is, is like just her times a hundred. And his character flaw is he's like, kind of like lazy and schlubby and doesn't think things through and so his mm. environment is you know just him times a hundred um so it's like and, and i think the problem is again i think it stems it goes back to observation i think like all the yeah. moves they're doing are really cool i like the idea of taking a relationship and elevating it out to comic book levels yeah but the core observations are these sort of like 1950 stereotypes about men and women right where it's like if those were you know, like, maybe she is cold and distant, and maybe he is lazy, lazy and schlubby, but it is such a well-worn trope of uh, yeah. traditional gender dynamics that it's, 
yeah, it just comes off as like, we get it. Yeah, yeah. So that is, so yeah, I think we're... we're so that is the first act. <laughs> yeah, we've got our observations there. I think we've we've kind of uh, showed what's what's happened there and, and how we feel about it. Yeah, and that's basically all that happens is they're just establishing this this dynamic. So what happens next? So, uh, the inciting incident mm-hmm. is they're both assigned to assassinate the same person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they both show up. Some little wiener kid so, from, from, from some show. From the OC. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, they both end up showing up at the same location at the same time and they spot each other as like, oh, someone else is here who's a spy and they try to kill each other. They don't recognize each other on sight. They... Yeah, they're too far away or mm-hmm. like hidden by things. Um, so they just think it's some other. And again, there's like, just to track the magical realism slash gender stereotypes, she is um typing it like she has like yes. laser field set up with charges and then he is in a dune buggy listening to music and he pees on his feet and, and it just has like a giant ass rocket launcher yeah it has a big bazooka which might as well be a like a pita shaped uh <laughs> yeah. but yeah which and i think it's like i almost bought that scene more as like a genuine expression of their personalities mm-hmm. uh because also that's kind of the type of person that brad pitt seems like he is in real life and also it relied more on their physicality as leads than it did on their writing yeah so and i think so they were able to kind of like pull it off in their acting yeah that's really where the movie is strongest when it's just sort of like them engaging and like and working the space because they're both wonderful actors yeah. like uh so it is um that really works because it, it is very physical and it's funny yeah so like they um they figure out pretty pretty quick after that that it is mm-hmm. that the it is the other person and there's some there's some cute tense scenes of them speaking in like double entendres and yeah. like we get a lot of knife like, work at the dinner table yeah a lot of ni- knife stuff a lot of like you know like job almost killed me today in terms of looking for the turn in a scene so we have this dinner scene this is the first time this one yeah they're in um this is the first time they've kind of figured it out alone and then this is the first time we see them as they're sitting down for dinner at uh in their home and um so there's all this tense stuff with cutting like Knives, taking knives from each other and bringing out other knives. And, and then, like, seeing, like, poison yeah. out on the counter and stuff. What's the turn? Uh, the turn is when, it's like, it's clear, it's clear that both of them are on to each other by the way that they're talking. Um, and he goes to pour her a glass of wine and he drops the bottle and she, out of instinct, catches it before it hits the really ground. Really cool scene, yeah. And then they, they share a look where it's now, like, a hundred percent we know what's mm-hmm. happening. And, uh, she looks down at the bottle and just drops it. And then they both use that, um distraction as a as an excuse to go run and get their guns yeah yeah (laughs) and then then we're off to the races and again it's super physical it's not relying too much on the joke writing to uh, have fun yeah and um and that ends up being a fun set piece from there and like the the scene right after that i thought was also really fun um where they both immediately start trying to kill each other which Mm -hmm. i was like that seems quick but then they have, uh, so Brad Pitt has his gun and he's running after uh, Angelina Jolie, who's driving away in her car. And Brad Pitt trips and accidentally shoots through the windshield. And so she thinks that, like, he actually tried to kill her. And he was like, no, 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 no sorry, mistake, mistake, mistake. So even though they are technically mm-hmm. now trying to kill each other, it's still clear that they're not, you know, there's still all that, like, oh, my bad. Yeah, that ends up being a lot of, in this part of the movie, that ends up being a lot of the movie's energy 
is kind of calibrating so that the violence can escalate, but we're not completely, they're not giving up on each other. Yeah, it's still, they're, I mean, they're, they're trying to hurt each other, but it's clear that given the chance, they wouldn't actually pull, mm-hmm. the, pull the trigger. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's this part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, es- I think that just basically escalates in, in similar scenes until, um, one of her coworkers does pull the trigger and, um, yeah, which so th- like she wasn't expecting. And, uh, she thinks that Brad Pitt actually got killed. There's a, yeah, there's a bit where they get Brad Pitt trapped in a, like a fake elevator or something. I'm not really sure what's happened. Or, yeah, yeah. I think he's, I think he's in, they think he's in elevator B yeah. or whatever, but he's actually in a different elevator and he's just hacked into the video feed. It's a classic exploding elevator <laughs> seashell game, or what, what is that called? Uh, um, shell game. Shell game. Seashell game. I meant seashell game because I think that sounds nice. I think that sounds that's fun. sweet. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I, like, I like the sea. Um, I like seashells. So yeah, it's a classic elevator shell game where, uh, and then, yeah, so then uh, uh, Jolie kind of taunts him and then one of her employees takes that as a thing to blow the charge and Brad Pitt is very sad that um that he that she actually did it yeah so then there's a scene where we go to this restaurant um where this very it's the restaurant that he proposed to her at Mm -hmm. so oh so that makes a little more sense because it's like we just cut to um a very fancy restaurant which when they walk out is in the middle of Times Square oh yeah because you know (laughs) it's not just like Olive Gardens and places where you get like you know those really elegant classy restaurants and shitty Irish pubs yeah (laughs) where um so she goes and sits alone at a table drinking a single glass of champagne so you know so you know the server hates her Uh, (laughs) and she's just crying a single tear alone at a fancy restaurant and then Brad Pitt shows up and then they have kind of like a a dance dance fight a tango thing where it's like it's like it kind of they break a lot of restaurant equipment and nobody seems to mind you pointed out like there's a part where they're kind of like dance fighting and it's not like a, not in a capybara way or what what is the word of like a capoeira capoeira <laughs> capoeira is the there is the is the rodent which is also they're both both and do they do it do they do the fighting the rodents or is it just is <laughs> it's just a coincidence um no i'm saying both Featured prominently in Bob's Burgers episodes, which is that's probably the only reason I know either. Um, but uh, yeah, so they have this kind of dance fight scene where it would have been good. I think that the um, the tango music is a little overbearing. It would have been better if there was like a little more closely shot, like tighter on them, because it is an important scene in terms of they're figuring out whether or not they were just marks to each other or whether yeah. they actually had something. And I, then, like, they're still, they're figuring out whether or not they actually love each other because, yeah. like, I think neither of them are really sure. But, like, as you pointed out, like, there's a part where, like, they're dancing and the, the conversation gets a little tense, so he just, like, there's a column and he just slams her into a mirror and breaks it while yeah. they're dancing. And then they keep dancing and no one seems bothered by that. No, like, yeah, no wait staff are rushing over to be like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, which is, like, just having, like, broken a glass in a bar. Like, I know that people... <laughs> Like immediately uh, turn and judge. Um, but yeah, so that... yeah, and then immediately after that, they uh, he, one of them like grabs a knife, yeah, uh, and throws it across the restaurant. And the, there's people in the background of the shot as the knife hits the wall, and they don't yeah. even like turn to look. Yeah, so it's like it gets a little. It's I think it's a kind of like that's the register that doesn't really work for me. It gets better when it's a little more. It's just straight Tom and Jerry. Yeah, where um, things just get a little more manic. Yeah. Um, cause they get pretty, pretty quick after that, um, 
they, uh, I mean, they get pretty, they still are trying to kill each other, but they're mm-hmm. pretty overtly flirty about it now. And then they, they kind of go right back to their home, which I think is, is a, a better place for it. Cause then they can just, you know, there's no one else there. It's all their own stuff. They can basically break everything, which they just break everything yeah. in the entire house. That's a good house. fight scene. It's like one of the better set yeah, pieces Yeah, I the think movie. the yeah. choreography of the action is like mm-hmm. really good in that scene. Cause it's all, it's all like slow motion shots of like people jumping through the air with machine guns as things explode behind them. Yeah, and it, it also, like, highlights, like, it shows them just being good at their jobs and the various tricks and stuff that they do as, yeah. like, so that that felt fun. Um, there's also, you point out, there's a very good, like, um, like, they use, uh, there's a gas explosion, and then they do the needle drop of Express Yourself, which is fun. Yeah, and it, again, I... it's very physical and, like, uh, yeah, I don't know how you feel about, like, Part of me worried that some of the when it gets hand to hand combaty, that it's like a little it's bit a little abusive. It's coming from that place is sort of like I respect a woman enough to punch her in her face, you know? Yeah, that one like, it does get. I and I think part of I mean, so the so the needle drop of express herself is great because I I think it really makes it clear that the violence is supposed to be funny, basically, mm-hmm. or like. Or that it's it's who they really are. So it's like the yeah. first honest communication they've had. Yeah. So it's like it's actually like they're like laughing at an inside joke, <clears throat> kind of a. Thing. But it becomes insanely problematic in terms of sort of like you don't want, and not that the, I don't know, not that every movie is a social document, but you don't want someone to be like, he finally clocked me. Like we're finally breaking through. Like there was <laughs> yeah. this finally honest communication. I mean, like, one one would hope that you wouldn't think that unless you yourself were also a trained assassin. Um, That's true, but I but saw those yeah. Avengers movies, and I might be Iron Man. <laughs> I, I just have an inkling that maybe. <laughs> so it's like I worry because like I'm not even that impressionable. So uh... yeah, so I think it was. I mean, definitely um, ickier when it turned to fist fighting because mm-hmm. he's just straight up punching her in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a couple things things to kind of even it out where she would like grab like a metal something and like hit him across the head with it so mm-hmm. it's like it's, i mean it's very like comical violence like very over the top none of these people are like bleeding or tired or hurt or anything mm-hmm. um but i think also the the reason that it switches from guns to physical fighting is because it's they're basically like flirting kissing yeah you know it's like it's going to turn into yeah. into kissing very quickly which we understand more when they sort of, um, it turns into, like, rough-ish sex after that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But I feel like, and I I kind of buy um, the scene of, like, the physical fighting as, like, because it almost felt like just, like, slapping each other out of frustration, just, like, getting, Mm -hmm. like, years of frustration out of your system by just uh, them just kind of, like, not not playfully, but it felt like they were, like, playfully hitting each other. Anyway, point being, they make up obviously mm-hmm. and now they're like super in love and they think everything's mm-hmm. great oh, i think we're missing beat too it's like where it's kind of like the the fight sort of like they, they kind of like exhaust themselves beating each other up and then there's a pause oh. and then they both run and grab guns and then he can't shoot her that's true that is like the yeah. turn of the fight is they they both pull guns on each other and he relents and yes. he says like if you want to kill me go ahead and kill me 
and uh, she's really upset about that. Yeah. But then, like, finally agrees that she can't do it either, and then that's when they start. Then that, it turns out, but then again, like, arguably equally violent sex. So it's sort of like, (laughs) none of this, like, if you are young and dating, none of this is the playbook. Like, uh, like, none (laughs) of Do not try this with people at home. This is, like, sometimes it's like, we have, we get these cameras, we get these actors, and we get kind of like, you know, we just want to explore imagination space. Uh, and I think that that is the only way to read this where this the messaging of this scene isn't dangerous. Like, this is only specifically okay for these two people. Right. In, like, this clearly heightened comic booky kind of world that they're living in. Where, yeah. like, all of this is just, like, um, it, it's, like, a, such a hyper-exaggerated version of a real-life yeah. fight. Where, like, you would be screaming at each other and then someone says something... Yeah, you know, nice, and then the other person is like, "Oh, you're right. I'm sorry," and then you're fine. And this is where also I think the first act, like the problems I had with the first act, become problems again. In that, like, if if it was a thing where it's like we saw more actual toxic expectations for men and women in marriage and relationships, if it were to fall away into something more primal and animal and kind of like sincere, even if it is dangerous or violent i think it would have been more cathartic where it's sort of like just going from like you make the dinner i be the sloppy car guy (laughs) to like now let's punch each other when we have sex it's like yeah where it's sort of like i feel like we're sort of like there's a no it's like a no win situation (laughs) like where it's like this is progress i don't want like uh, and it's kind of like it's like the scene does make sense in this movie for these very specific characters uh but it's also like reinforcing a lot of like latent stereotypes that have existed for decades about like what's what it's okay to do to your wife yeah uh so it's like that's or the impression that sort of like she just wants to go crazy you know yeah or like if this if this movie existed in isolation that scene would be no problem but like the fact that it exists uh with all this horrible history of people actually doing that is yeah then not it's less cute yeah it becomes a different thing but like if you can see it as a sort of like magically real thing where it's just these two personalities hitting colliding um it makes sense in terms of story yeah yeah so yeah we're so we've reached that part so then i think what follows next is my favorite part of the movie Mm -hmm. where it's me too uh basically the morning after which also like there's like explosions and thousands of gunfire and like Sudden, like the cops don't get called until like twenty four hours later. Yeah. But um, so it's like the morning after all this happens, and it's basically like they're making breakfast in their house that's just destroyed. destroyed. And so like, uh, they're like drinking orange juice out of cups that are like completely jagged. Which that reminded me of. There's this one New Year's where it's like we like I was like when I was like eighteen, and we we found a six pack of beer me and my idiot friends but we didn't have a bottle opener and we were like in downtown toledo <laughs> so we broke the bottles open oh. on the curbs and we just drank beer out of these broken bottles and we just cut our lips up so bad so then there's other ways to get bottles caps off of bottles yeah so yeah it's not illegal to buy bottle openers I, like team. no part of the story is about us being smart but like <laughs> so it's like there's supposed to be this sort of like sexy romantic scene where they're drinking juice out of these jagged drinking cups and i was just like this is not fun for me personally like (laughs) there's more baggage i brought to this movie but um but yeah it's like that's a really charming cute scene where they're like um where they just like sit down on the ground and there's like chaos all around them and they just like start telling each other actually real facts about themselves that they never knew yeah and like sort of talking about their jobs and like 
the things they have in common and actually relating to each other. And it's, like, really sweet. Yeah, so they develop this sort of, like, let's sort of, like, air, the airing of the grievances to use, um, Festivus. Yeah, <laughs> That's fest- right. That's use, right. like, a Festivus uh, thing. So they just start doing that. But um, as this happens, um, so a big part of the problem, uh, we maybe slept on this a little bit. One of the reasons they have to kill each other or that they felt compelled to kill each other is that they're professionally both of their agencies after they screwed up the job because of each other were both kind of sicked on each other to be like kill this person or we'll kill you yeah i think there was even like a time limit brad pitt references a time limit at some point where like you kill her in the next 48 hours or we kill both of you is kind of the situation yeah if you feel betrayed by this uh, omission and uh, unable to reconcile (laughs) everything we said before that so anyway so they um the time limit is up after they've had their fun night of of fight sex. And now they're drinking out of broken juice glasses. Um, and it's charming. And yeah, and then just like dozens of spies or assassins start converging on their house. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, like 50 guys in like SWAT gear and like heavy machinery. Um, Laser sights, which only seem like to be like warnings in movies. You know, like no one's ever like... <laughs> No one's ever really been like, thank God I got this laser sight. Uh, really, I just nailed that shot. It's always just like the person being like, laser sight, run. You know? Um, yeah, so they uh, basically just have another similar fight. I think it's much shorter than the previous fight in the house. Because it's like, we've already seen a fight in every room mm-hmm. in this house. Um, and uh, I think fairly quickly, the entire house just explodes. Mm-hmm. In like the biggest explosion you've ever seen. Very like... Um... Uh, Michael Bay-ish. Yeah. So then they steal a, min- a minivan from their neighbors, and, like, the... So they're being chased in a minivan, and this is probably my favorite part of the whole Yeah, movie. definitely. Where this is the... Th- I think this is the proper airing of the grievances. I think mm-hmm. earlier they were just, like, starting to be like, oh, hey, did you know I have this, like, fun facts about me? And then this is, like, the proper, like, getting, uh, getting to know each other, airing grievances, telling secrets, where, like... Brad Pitt reveals that he was actually married once before, and, mm-hmm. like, Angelina Jolie, like, stops the car in the middle of this very violent car chase shootout, uh, just to, like, slap him in the shoulder, because yeah. it's, like, she's so upset by it. There's a, a funny line, I remembered from the first time I had seen it, that made me laugh, is she just asks, he says that he was married, and, um she ends up asking for her name and social security number. And it was just like such a funny... That was <laughs> yeah. And Frank Pitt goes, no, you're not going to kill her. Yeah, there's also a good thing where it's like, um, we realize that um, uh, she confesses that she was she's an orphan. And he's like, who gave you away at our wedding? And uh, she's like, it was an actor. And then he's just like punches the seat and he's just like, I knew I saw him on Fantasy Island. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I told you I saw him on Fantasy <laughs> yeah. Island. So it's a great, where it's like, this is where I think like the jokes are the best. Like, where it's like, and like, this is like you're saying, these are actual real observations. These are like, yeah, uh, little, little arguments that everyone has had about actual things. Absolutely. Where I, I think that this is where the movie was the most clear eyed about adult relationships. There's all these jealousies, these insecurities, and um, yeah, all these past histories. She's like, She's like, this is, like, classic you. You, like, half-ass everything. Like, just like you, you know, you half-assed, like, our birthdays and anniversaries. And, like, you forgot the present for my mother. And he's like, your fake mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like that's really good. All those little, like, deep-seated years-ago resentments. Yeah. And so then I have two observations that kind of cancel each other out. One's a fun that I like. And one is, like, again, this movie being, uh, you know, kind of slipping on the banana peel of its own point of view. Um, 
One is that they're in this minivan that Brad Pitt kind of like is ambivalent toward. But then through the course of the shootout, like some of the features of the minivan end up impressing him. <laughs> I thought that was good. Like there's double doors that he can like shoot out of. And, and you're like, this is handy. That's convenient. Like I thought that was great of like, and it, also again, like that is like what this this movie and it's the best possible version of this movie is what it, it should be doing. This is kind of like magical realism take on a guy coming to terms with the fact that a minivan is useful. Yeah. Like that is like accepting adulthood and like yeah. the things that come with it and why. And I think very brief, like this movie kind of just like hits that a couple times and gets there, but it doesn't live there as much as it thinks it is in terms of those observations. Yeah. And the thing that I hate is that he's driving the minivan at first and he's doing a bad job. And then she's like, get out of the way. I'm a suburban housewife. And then and she, it's like, she's not a suburban housewife. Yeah. It's like this movie doesn't know. You know like, what I mean? She's never been a housewife. They don't own Even a, in their fake life, yeah, she wasn't a housewife. They don't own a minivan. Like, why would she know how to... So it's like... Yeah. So she does an amazing job driving the minivan, which is sort of like this... This... Uh, I guess just a single-edged sword of like... Um, of like... <laughs> just going the one way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We're just sort of being like, I'm awesome. Like, this might as well be an oven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So she does an amazing job because it's a minivan. I don't like that. And she's inherent because, you know, women and minivans. Yeah, no. just It's genetic, sweetie. Absolutely. It's like the dragons in Avatar. Like, they just, like, I... link braids. It was... The dragons? They have these dragons in Avatar. And, like, they, they fly them by basically, first of all, assaulting them. and uh, But then they, like, link their hair braid with, like, some sort of tendrils. I do not remember dragons being there. I remember the hair linking thing. I, I'm proud of you that you are not there for an avatar reference like that you're just leaving me hanging with it i think that's that's, that's i prefer it so yeah so we're in like this wait you said you had two things that canceled each other no out. so Is i both of them? yeah so i like that brad pitt is like coming to terms with the minivan oh, yeah. through a shootout i don't like that angelina jolie is um preternaturally good at driving the minivan because she's the wife yeah i i think similarly like brad pitt's emotional arc is a lot more kind of like based on an actual human's life and uh angelina jolie's arc is based on like a random guess of a stereotype like it's not it's it's not really a real character it's like what um what a guy writing uh an uptight woman yeah what he'd be like well she's probably like this yeah um so I think then they just get to the like the home goods store. Well, yeah. Well, first they um, so they had this um, this guy that they were both hired to kill. So I don't know how they come to this conclusion, but they decide that they are. Oh yeah, I guess I missed. I didn't write that part down. No. So they decide that to get. I think they they go speak, talk to Vince Vaughn, and Vince Vaughn is like the only way. Ah, yeah. It's like each each agency wants to kill you. The only way that they won't is, like, maybe if you give them something they want even more. So, yeah. So, they go back to... Um, the, ca- mo- the guy from the very beginning. Yeah, the little wiener kid that they were both supposed to kill. Um, so, they go, like, well, let's go just get this wiener kid. And, sure. And, like, turn him over to the... Which, that was... It was, like, a, a almost like a mini heist in, yeah. in the middle of the, of the movie here, which is kind of fun. So, it's fun. We get to see them... We get to see them work together. It ends up being a little bit gender... Like, she's sort of, yeah. like, nit henpecks or whatever the gender stereotype is. And then he... He kind of cowboys it. Yeah. Um, Which, again, is like, it is what they're 
characters the, are, yeah. but it's those. It's also just based on. At this point, I can stop bringing it up because it's sort of like it's the characters. They're based on those stereotypes. It's just like that's what it is. Yeah. So they do it. Um, uh, they capture him. They take him to a hotel room. Another very cute thing. I don't know if you noticed this. Did you notice what T-shirt the kid was wearing in the? Uh... No. So they go. They take him to a hotel room to interrogate him. Um, the the little wiener kid. Uh, <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> and um, so they um. It's kind of a funny scene. Uh, they're trying to... Brad Pitt's trying to intimidate him while his wife is undermining him in front of the hostage. Uh, <laughs> that is, which, like, that is what happens. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's kind of one of those things where it's like, again, the pitch is writing the movie where, like, her undermining him in that does not serve her own interests. It's just kind of like serving the men are from Mars, women are from Venus yeah, thing. Yeah, like, I mean, I could, I, could, I could buy an argument that's like, they're still having their fight from the airing of the grievances and they're still kind of doing that that's sort fair. of mimicking no. each other no that's fair and, and yeah and there she's also upset because he kind of with the the plan the heist plan yeah. to get the kid back anyway the t-shirt the kid is wearing is he has a fight club t-shirt on oh i didn't see that and i don't know if you're aware of this or if you appreciate this <laughs> no but bradley pitt don't you tell me was in the motion picture Oh, fight clips. Do you think they knew <laughs> when they made that wardrobe decision? I think it's just one of those crazy Hollywood coincidences you read about. <laughs> <laughs> so he's wearing this t-shirt and Beautiful. they never acknowledge it, which like, I think, I don't know, it feels like half of a reference if they don't acknowledge the t-shirt. Like, well, what would they, I mean, I feel like acknowledging it might be too, like, obvious. I just kind of, I kind of wanted the scene to, to kind of end for the most part, but then Brad Pitt to kind of hesitate before he leaves and just go like, hey. Nice shirt. Like, <laughs> That would have been terrible. I would have been into it. I mean, Brad, Brad Pitt just turns and looks directly in the camera and says, the first rule, and Angelina is like, come on! <laughs> yeah. Filter all of my insights into that I think that what I just said would be a good idea. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they, what they find out, you want to say what they find out from the kid? So, yeah, what they find out from the kid is that he's not actually the mark, and nobody cares about him at all. He was just bait to try to get the two of them to kill each other at the beginning. Yeah. At that first job, where they were both at the same place, they were, the, each of their agencies was just trying to get them to kill each other. Which is confusing, because one of the reasons... The reason that they did this is there was sort of like, it was bad business to have two rivals work. And it's sort of like, so they knew and they didn't tell them? Yeah, it's like, they knew before. So their bosses knew that they were married and they didn't know they were married. They to... were, they were going to try to trick each other into murdering the other yeah. one without, instead of being like, hey, as a heads up. Yeah, that seems like, again, just like bad communication. <laughs> like, um, so, uh, so yeah, so then they, um... They realize they have to do some sort of stand down, I guess. Like, so basically, like, 1,700 more SWAT guys start. Yeah. Not, not, probably not SWAT guys. <laughs> yeah, whatever more, the, yeah. More Private spy company. Yeah, oh, that's men. right. So their interrogation of the wiener kid, this little wiener kid, um, is, is interrupted. Seth, how do you describe this particular actor? He's one of these just, you know, like, if you call Central Casting, it's sort of like, I need as many little wiener kids as you can send me. And they're like, we're only going to send this guy, and he's the all you need. <laughs> Um, no, he's, I don't know, he's a fine actor, I don't know. Uh, but just in the register of this movie, that's what they're, that's, this it's is... the role he's playing. Here's a, a thing I'll often say, just to defend my own, uh, this is a decision the movie made. <laughs> that this is a little wiener kid. Um, so <laughs> their interrogation, uh, their interrogation is interrupted by these private SWAT guys. Yeah, basically, like, uh, the kid reveals that, like, 
oh yeah, no, the, this was all a trap and they're coming to get you. Yeah. And then they look out the window and it's like, oh, there they are. Yeah, absolutely. So then they take refuge in the kind of like a Home Depot type place. Yeah, or like a, like a, like a Target or whatever. Like a places where there's like clothes and chairs. And yeah. Interior decor. So they go and they kind of, they get set up to kind of home alone it. Like they don't really set up traps or anything. They, don't set, they should set up traps. Yeah, that would have been so much more fun. Um, but they do steal clothes off the mannequins because if you're Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and you go into a Target <laughs> and you see a suit on a mannequin, you're just like, we we might die tonight. We're not walking out of here without these suits. <laughs> Gotta have that suit. And well, it's like they are, before that, they're wearing like very cool, awesome-looking combat gear. And then they, like, put on a suit for, yeah. like, five minutes. And then, like, five minutes later, they just take off the suit again. They're like, oh, that was kind of restrictive. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, also, it's just, like, sort of, like, it's the, these horrible target suits, which sort of, like... Oh, that reminds me. Because they don't just put on the suit. They both put on a pair of matching yellow sunglasses. Ugh. Which, the sunglass work in this movie... They're Thank you. Oh, they're like wearing sunglasses in, in so many scenes where it would not be appropriate to be wearing sunglasses. Like they had Brad Pitt in these terrible sunglasses the entire movie. And I could not believe when they found worse sunglasses to put on him. <laughs> yeah. And it was like very clearly like they think this is really cool. Like yeah. if he was to like look around the corner and he's got these shades on. This yeah. This is really cool. And maybe it is just sort of like, um, like fashion of the time where that is as as an age well where it's like 2005 i think yeah and if you even look if you look at like early x files where it's like (laughs) what like they just dress like their suits are just gigantic oh yeah that's why i'd never dress well because like if you're dressing well it's not gonna look good in five years (laughs) and that's your concern yeah it's posterity (laughs) absolutely (laughs) i gotta worry about what they're carving on the mausoleum you know (laughs) So they're in this place, this store, um, very suburban-y kind of a store, and it's, like, the two of them with, like, a couple guns, mm-hmm. and then there's, like, a hundred people yeah. that are, like, surrounding them from elevated positions and much yeah better things, and, like... It's one of those shootouts that really just sort of, like, and again, like, I love action movies, I say this all the time, but, like... The end of an action movie is always just so dumb. Yeah, you know? it really strains credulity. Yeah, and it's just it's one of those action fights that just loses its surface tension. It's just not cool. And um, yeah, and there's things like in in sort sort of a, a continuing of the airing of the grievances thing. Angelina Jolie is throwing knives at people to kill them, and then she just purposefully throws a knife into Brad Pitt's leg. Yeah, like an important part of the leg, I would say, too. And like, it's played off as, like, a joke, and he's like, come on! And, oh, no, I think he goes, like, we'll talk about this later. Yeah. And then he just pulls it out, and then walks away as if nothing happens. But then, like, a scene, because this is still in, like, the cute part of the fight, and then, like, a couple scenes later, she falls off of something, like, ten feet and, like, hurts her ankle or something. And that's treated very seriously. It's where it's like, oh, God, she can't walk anymore. Like, he has to go save her. She's about right. to get hurt. Which is, like, I mean, it, it's good to have that tone for this part of the movie um, where they both think that they're actually going to die. But it's like, well, then why five minutes ago yeah, were the, you just purposefully injuring each other for fun? The physical, the, the physical logistics don't really make any sense. And, um... And yeah, it's it's sort of they, like, they take refuge at the very end in like a plastic shed, and yeah. then all the bullets stop. Yeah, like they're spraying the they they jump in the shed, they spray they're, they're being sprayed with bullets, and then like 
Angelina Jolie reaches and closes the door of the wooden shed to, uh, and then, yeah, they just stop shooting at it. And they just it. stop, and then they just, like, to hang out for a while and have a nice conversation. Yeah. And, and then, then they, they walk out, and they're surrounded on all sides by people who are in way better positions than them, way better armed than them, and they kill every single one of them immediately. Yeah, so it's like they go for this sort of, like, this fatalistic Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid conversation in the shed. And, like, imagine at the end of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, they just ran out and then just, like, shot the Bolivian army one at a time while doing, like, weird sunglass ballet. Yeah. Um, so it was just kind of, yeah, just That's sort of... basically... Yeah. It was a exactly little silly. Exactly scene that was. Yeah. Um, also, I don't remember any of that happened like i thought i really thought the movie ended at the um i I think i realized i forgot the entire third act it's like i thought the movie ended with them like them trying to kill each other in their own home and then realizing they loved each other and then making up and then like the neighbors knocking on the door the next morning and they open the door like half naked oh yeah i thought that was the last scene of the movie maybe that's when you walked out (laughs) But yeah, no, that, I remembered the shootout. I remember it, I don't remember it being as long as it was. I think maybe I had more patience for that. But it really reminds me of, like, why this was before movies like The Born Supremacy, where it's like, people tease me for liking those movies so much, but it's sort of like, it was so refreshing to have an action movie where the protagonist gets messed up physically and it makes sense. Yeah, where, like, getting hit over the head with, like, a lead pipe would take you down for a bit. Yeah, because then him continuing on and continuing the action of the story it's like it means more where it's just like like you're saying with like the knife or falling down or it's sort of like it's really just becomes this thing where the movie is going to do what it wants to do and it's not going to present you with any actions that really necessarily earn that yeah it's just kind of whatever it wants to do emotionally at the time it's going to do right like it's it's decided where its end point is and it's going to get you there however it wants and it's not going to worry about if that if those steps make perfect sense yeah and then that's the last scene of the movie it ends there's like a button on the end of them back in the therapist's office yeah i don't know if we mentioned that that there's sort of like a meta narrative thing where they're yeah i mentioned there's like a frame narrative at the beginning and the end basically about the therapy thing which i rewound to check in the first scene of therapy she is like wearing a long sleeve button-up shirt with her hair up in a tight bun in, in the last scene of therapy, it's like her hair is like all over the place and she's got this like low cut thing on that's like button, unbuttoned a lot and she's uh, she's got her legs crossed to the point where you can't see, like she just looks naked from the waist down. And it's like, I get what you're saying. It's like she, was, also, like, she was a frigid jerk before. Right, yeah. but now she's totally had sex. <laughs> it's just like, and it's like, again, it's not really well observed. It's sort of like, generally, uh, you don't start dressing slutty for your couple's counseling unless things are going really bad. You know, like, it's sort of like, well, this counselor seems to get it. Maybe it's, <laughs> just like, uh, put on the good stuff. Yeah. And also, if they were trying to do the thing of, like, she's a frigid bitch, and then by the end it's like, oh, she's relaxed and happy again, then, like, why didn't Brad Pitt's character have a similar change? Like, he should have been dressed like a slob. Yeah, it's the, the idea that he was fine the whole time. Cause... He was dressed exactly the same in both scenes. Yeah. Um, that's... So it's like, it's like, oh, she's bearing, I guess, all the weight of this. Of having needed to change. Yes. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so. It'd be nice if, yeah, if there was a gesture to that, of like maybe you could throw a tie on Brad Pitt. 
and um and have him be like and now i take out the garbage or whatever or now i cook or you know like yeah no nope. or oh, i would have even been like and this minivan's great like i love it i drive it everywhere that like, would have uh, been yeah. that would have been a great a great yeah. joke yeah um but yeah no i think it is but i think it was fun it mainly i think the funness mainly rested on the shoulders of the leads and their kind of sexiness and their funness and i think also um it's so refreshing to have comedy in movies that even if the jokes are kind yeah. of um, stale or kind of predictable, it's still just fun. Yeah, because it. it's nice texture because action movies really need it. And I, I like action comedy struggle so much. Yeah, it's like you need the relief when there's like yeah. such an intense fighting scene. Like you need something like there's in that in the whatever store store fight. There's a scene where they just take the elevator and then they just like pause and they're just like listening to elevator music while they're waiting for the elevator to get to that's the next fun. floor yeah. it's like that's that's lovely that's a, yeah it's a great it's Absolutely. like such a relief yeah to have it as a break so yeah so what, what is your final assessment do you do you think there's a place right now for mr and mrs smith <laughs> i mean i wouldn't recommend watching any of these movies that we're talking about right yeah. now yeah that's right. yeah yeah no the world's and, ending so yeah i mean or just even pandemic aside yeah like <laughs> There's no reason to be watching these movies now. Yeah. But, uh, and all of the negative things that we said aside, um, I thought it was great. I, yeah. I thought it was super fun. I I had a very enjoyable time rewatching it. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I think it's sort of... And as long as, like, as long as you're not... As long as you're watching it from a point of view of, like, knowing that these gender stereotypes are ridiculous and just dumb. Yeah, I think it's, like, if, regarding in terms of gender stereotypes, it's like you're babysitting your nephew. Right, like, I wouldn't show this to impressionable children. Yeah. <laughs> as, like, this is how adults should act. And I almost mean, like, the the movie is, like, a nephew who's just, like, you're trying to make him dinner and he just, like, gets naked and, like, climbs in the fireplace. And he's like, ah! And you're like, buddy, get out of there. Come on. It's just like, that's how this movie is towards, like, gender dynamics. Or yeah. sort of like, none of that is stuff to be emulated or admired. It's just sort of like, sometimes the movie gets a little, you know, where you just have to be like, come on, buddy, come down from there. Do this other fun stuff that we got. We got mac and cheese for you, you know. Um, so but yeah, I, good energy. Good, like, uh, you know, if it was written now, maybe it would be a much more interesting movie. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, I, I would love an update of this where it would be um, maybe feed a little bit more of um, contemporary relationship issues into it. I think it would be fun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I thought it was fun. And and, I, and also, it's like, I think that, like, we need more stuff that's br- this kind of broad, elevated register. I think, yeah. like, in, the, especially in the U.S., I feel like we don't, we don't really know how to a lot of audiences don't know how to interpret things that are elevated or magically real. So I like that it brought that to, it did a lot of work to bring that to a very mainstream audience. Yeah. And that's, I think that is the funnest part of it is like, um, is like little regular marriage squabbles that are just elevated to this crazy extreme degree because of, you know, an impossible situation. Yeah. Um, and hey, I, I mean, in terms of pandemics, I mean, like, time moves in one direction. And Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie were here for a brief time. <laughs> they were lovely. And we caught some of it on film. And, you know, go watch it. They broke poor Jennifer Aniston's heart. That's true. I don't, I can't speak to that. Like, I I don't have a dog in that fight. But, like, I mean, they're all beautiful to me. <laughs> I know. I hope they all, maybe like a sister wife's thing. Or like a, 
I don't know. Or no, get, get another dude in there. This is like Brother every, husbands. Just some sort of like sex compound. <laughs> I think it's the only solution. And I wish them all well with it. Well, there you have it. Yeah, I think that that's the so way. It, it took us an hour to get there. But I think sex compound's the answer. <laughs> anyway, any other thoughts on Mr. and Mrs. Smith before we close up the old Mr. and Mrs. Smith bag? <laughs> no, I think that's I, I everything. All right, good. Well, thanks so much. And uh, as always, I love you guys.